Hi, welcome to our new podcast coming to you live from the Institute of World Politics here in Washington, D.C. I'm Jim Robbins, Dean of Academics at IWP. IWP is an accredited graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs, offering a variety of certificates, master's degrees, and doctorates, both in person and online. You can check out our programs and courses at iwp.edu. I want to talk about some current events, uh, but of course, the problem with that is that events keep changing. So this talk may be overcome by events, even before we can post it. Uh, but even if the facts keep evolving, uh, the analysis will be sound, I hope. The topic is the escalating conflict between Israel and the Lebanon-based terrorist group Hezbollah and what that may lead to. My premise is that it's in neither party's interest to see this lead to full-scale war anytime soon, but history tells us that crises can lead to war regardless of interest or rationality. What we've seen in the last week or so is a series of moves between Israel and Hezbollah that have raised the question whether escalation towards general war has begun, either planned or otherwise. Some recent background on this. A low-intensity conflict has simmered along Israel's northern border since just after the October 7, 2023 Hamas attacks in the south, which killed around 1,200 Israelis and sparked the IDF incursion into Gaza. Persistent, small-scale Hezbollah attacks have been met with Israeli counterstrikes, killing around 130 terrorists. Meanwhile, thousands of Israelis have been evacuated from their homes in the north to protect them from possible Hezbollah rocket attacks. This conflict began to escalate January 2nd when senior Hamas official Salah al-Arori was assassinated in a targeted strike in Beirut. This was despite a warning issued by Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah last August, that is, before the Gaza war began, that he would regard any such killings as an attack on Lebanon itself. Not that he speaks for Lebanon, but he does so anyway. So in an address Friday, January 5th, after the attack, Nasrallah threatened revenge for the what he called a dangerous crime, but he did not call for all-out war. His revenge arrived the next morning when Hezbollah struck an Israeli airbase at Mount Meron, the Israeli Air Force's northern air control unit. Hezbollah made a sophisticated attack using anti-tank guided missiles, which have a limited range, but the flat trajectory makes this type of attack harder to intercept compared to the rockets or missiles uh, that Iron Dome and other air defenses were designed to interdict. Israeli officials conceded that the attacks caused severe damage, which was seemingly confirmed by videos released by Hezbollah showing explosions at the base. There were no reported Israeli deaths, and Hezbollah said the attack on the air station was only an initial response. So on Sunday, during the weekly cabinet meeting, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned Hezbollah that no terrorist is immune, and that if Israel could not achieve pacification in the north diplomatically, as he said, we will work in other ways. Again, signaling. Not saying all-out war was coming, holding out diplomacy as a means forward, but reserving the right to take action. 
and the other ways were demonstrated on Monday, January 8th, when a senior member of Hezbollah's elite Radwan force, Wissam al-Tawil, was killed by an Israeli UAV strike in southern Lebanon. So Hezbollah made a statement in its attack, Israel responded more seriously. Okay, so that's set up Tuesday. Hezbollah launched a drone attack at the headquarters of the IDF's Northern Command in Svat, in the Galilee, eight miles from the border. There was no significant damage. Beautiful city if you get a chance to go to Svat, despite the weather, cloudy with a chance of drones. A short time later, before the funeral for Altawil, who was killed Monday, Israel took out Ali Hussein Barji, who was in charge of Hezbollah's drone force in the south. Barji probably ordered the attack on Svat earlier that day. And I just want to say something parenthetically about this. Can you believe that this guy was anywhere near the funeral? That is such a classic move on the part of Israel. Always watch the funerals. Targets show up there. You can see them going to the funeral. Maybe they're coming from the funeral. Either way, you can get at them. Or even at the funeral, like terrorists do, since they don't care who else gets killed. Like the uh, Islamic State suicide bombing in Iran during a memorial for IRGC commander Qasem Soleimani, whom the U.S. took out in 2020. Uh, they attacked that January 3rd, uh, killing 84 mostly civilians, as they do. But Israel's strike on Barji was very surgical. They released video showing his car going along busy city streets until he was away from others, and then they precisely took him out. A separate attack around the same time killed three other Hezbollah members, and there have been smaller-scale strikes and attacks from both sides. Hezbollah deputy leader Naim Qasim said in a televised speech Tuesday that Hezbollah did not want to expand the war from Lebanon. But he said if Israel expands it, the response is inevitable to the maximum extent required to deter Israel. Note the key words, to deter Israel. Not to support Hamas, not to liberate Palestine, not from the river to the sea, just to deter Israel. This is not the language of the offensive. Again, they're signaling they don't want wider war, even as this back and forth continues. That is, if you can believe what they say, which you can't always, but they seem to be consistent. So why not just have a war? Why not settle things? What if it was like uh, the war in Lebanon, like 1982 or 2006? Well, Nasrallah has threatened that war with Hezbollah would be very, very, very costly, unquote, for Israel. And he's right. Hezbollah is a more powerful force than Hamas, with perhaps 100,000 rockets and missiles, many supplied by Iran, that could rain destruction over all of Israel. Hezbollah could also bring to bear its arsenal of anti-tank, anti-ship, and anti-aircraft missiles, as well as fleets of drones, again, many of these weapons supplied by Iran. As we have seen in Ukraine, but not so much in Gaza, surprisingly, 
Drones can be very effective in blunting the offensive power of armor and mechanized forces. Yes, Israel has some very sophisticated anti-drone technology, but this is a rapidly evolving part of the battle space, and there's definite risk involved. Hezbollah has an estimated 20,000 fighters. They claim 100,000, who knows? And the ability to operate with more strategic depth than Hamas. Hezbollah could also count on support from Iranian-backed Shiite militia currently in Syria. A recent DIA assessment found it would be difficult for Israel to prevail in a major conflict in the north while still being engaged in Gaza. But Hezbollah would also have to deal with the effects of a war on Lebanon itself. The country is facing economic strains, and not all Lebanese would respond favorably to being dragged into a major conflict with Israel by the terrorists. Iran may also be more interested in keeping Hezbollah in reserve for now to build it up for a future conflict. For its part, if war broke out, Israel would seek to cripple Hezbollah swiftly, to destroy their rockets from the air before they could be launched, interdict supplies and support from Iran coming through Syria, and decapitating the Hezbollah leadership. This last fact may be the strongest part of the deterrence equation, since if general war broke out, Nasrallah and his top deputies would be in Israel's active target group. So long as diplomacy is still possible, Israel may not take that step. But the mood in the country post-October 7th is similar to that in the United States post-September 11, 2001. In other words, the gloves are off. <laughs> and if Hezbollah launched a general war, then anything could happen. Hezbollah, and by extension Iran, would also have to consider the possibility of United States intervention on behalf of Israel. The US is already involved in the proxy wars with Iran, whether in Iraq, Syria, or in operations in the Red Sea against Tehran-backed Houthi rebels. While the Biden administration has no interest in seeing a wider war develop, it is reasonable to assume that the U.S. might conduct limited airstrikes against critical Hezbollah targets should the terrorist group initiate open hostilities with Israel, simply as a means of helping end the matter quickly. At least Hezbollah has to take this possibility into account, however unlikely. The fact that escalation to general war between Israel and Hezbollah is not in either party's interest does not mean it will not happen. Wars are not always the product of strictly rational calculations. John Kennedy said of the Cuban Missile Crisis that the essence of ultimate decision remains impenetrable to the observer, often indeed to the decider himself. There will always be the dark and tangled stretches in the decision-making process, mysterious even to those who may be most intimately involved. But if war does break out and the United States intervenes, would Iran then take direct action to support its Lebanese proxy? Would we see a replay of some of the problems that we saw during the Reagan administration, hostage takings, bombings, and other related activities? That would represent the next step on the escalatory ladder. Time will tell. Well, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. And if you like this podcast, or even if you didn't, please share it and subscribe. 
and join us next week uh, for another edition of the IWP podcast. I'm Jim Robbins. Thanks for listening.